This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is now freshly into 2022. We've been here all along, but we are back. And guess what's going to change? Nothing. I'm Scott Phillips still. He's still Andrew Page. G'day, mate. How are you? I still am Andrew Page. How are you, mate? I'm very good. Very well. (laughs) We should have a new year, new podcast, new theme, new... We're not going to do any of that. We are going to do exactly what we've always done because, frankly, if you've liked us enough to hang around after the holidays, we think we're probably doing something you're enjoying. If you're not still here, there's no point in changing because those people are gone. So we're going to keep it pretty much the same as it was. We'll always look to improve. If you have suggestions, let us know. Uh, But in the meantime, we are back. Uh, We have had some episodes to you over the last three weeks of 2022. We did put some in the can, as we said. Uh, Thank you to those of you who... uh, uh, did hit us up, say, hey, thanks for keeping the content rolling. And it's our pleasure. Uh, I thought it was the least we can do. But we are back recording fresh for 2022. Now, of course, when I say he is Andrew Page, he is Andrew Page, comma, capital F, founder of Capitalist Strawman, which apparently is, has it got a new name this year, mate? Is, is it is that a different business in 2022? As with the podcast, mate, nothing's, nothing's changed. We are... <laughs> If it ain't we've, we've, we've done a full rotation around the sun, but other than that, we are we are still you know trucking along doing what we've always done, which is which is being an online investment club, as you well know, sir. And, <laughs> I do indeed. And, uh, and where can people find it? Strawman.com. Excellent. And for those who are new to the podcast, if your New Year's resolution was to uh, get some podcasts in here and some finance podcasts in particular, uh, I'm the Chief Investment Officer of The Motley Fool here in Australia. Uh, and we've been doing this podcast now, mate. We so here's the other thing. We, we like you know because I won't say we don't pay a lot of attention. What I will say is we we can't focus on the content, not the appearance of this podcast. Such that we actually had our five hundredth episode go live during the break. Oh my god! Wow, look at that. That's great. Uh, for those who are newer listeners, Andrew was here at the very, very beginning. Then he went off and did his own thing, and thankfully he's come back to the podcast at least. He was a Motley Fool employee, now doing his own thing and doing it very successfully. But uh, has rejoined me for the podcast, which is awesome. Made five hundred episodes. It's a heck of a thing, right? Right, that's worthy of celebration. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next 500. Exactly, and the 500 after that, and we'll be dead at some point then. Uh, <laughs> no, we are, we are looking forward to doing plenty, plenty more. Mate, let's stop talking about us. Let's start talking about, oh, God. Yeah, um, the, the, head, the, the line on the top of our agenda, running sheet in front of us is, so did anything happen while we were away? And it just, it, you could, we couldn't have picked a more coincidental time to pre-record our last episode and then disappear. Given what then happened over the, over the month, like Omicron itself, I don't, even, I don't know how much we talked about it pre-break. We probably mentioned it was coming or something, but uh, man, we, it, was a, it was a heck of a month we've, we've been through. Um, I, I didn't, did you have a good break firstly? And then uh, what do you make of what's happened since? Yeah, it was a really lovely break. It would have been nice to be able to go out a bit more. <laughs> really, really getting some serious cabin fever here, and I, and that's yeah. that's interesting because I'm actually naturally a bit of a, a an introvert and don't mm. don't you know I'm a, I'm a homebody, right? So yeah. I, I'm I'm someone who probably handles lockdown better than most. But yeah, I'm over it. I'm I'm pretty, and, and obviously we don't have uh, um, forced lockdowns, but it's still yeah. kind of feels the same, doesn't it? it really um, does, it? So yeah, it's been it's been really great. I I think. Um, um, yeah, look, it, it's what's what's always really nice about that period mm. is that there's just not a lot of corporate news. There's cer- mm. there's certainly not a lot. Of, there's a lot less finance news that's out there. 
uh, which I really appreciate. You would think that it would be something that you'd be disappointed um, yeah. of as an investor. <laughs> yeah. But it just, you know, it, as we often say, there's so much sort of noise out there. So to mm-hmm. have a lot of that taken away, obviously, if a company has anything material to say, it is compelled by law to, to provide a market-sensitive announcement. So it's not yeah. as though you know, if anything important happens, you miss out. You just get rid of all, all of the, the guff. And it's really, really, it's really, really nice. I think as in, I wrote something to our members a little while ago about the the potential for investors to burn out. Like in like in any endeavor, I, I think you can, even if it's something you're really passionate about, it it it's just nice to sort of step back. And it reminds you that Actually, you know, the companies that you own, that you're an owner in, keep doing their thing. (laughs) Whether you're there obsessing. Without the announcements, without the, yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, whether or not I'm obsessing over whatever the share price has done (laughs) that day or whatever article has been written, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, it's still there doing its thing. It's it's nice. I really like it. it? How about yeah, yourself? That's a, a great reminder. Um, yeah, we had the same to you. We had a similar a similar break. Um, kind of planned to go away a couple of times, and just it just all got too hard at some point, so we didn't. Uh, but had a lovely time. Young blokes off school, of course, and uh, yeah, it's just nice to have a bit of a, a bit of time at home. It's been atrocious weather in uh, in the Southern Highlands of New South Wales. I imagine it's the same most places. La Nina has mm. absolutely kicked us in the backside. Um, I. I think we've had about three days without rain in January so far, and the next ten are supposed to be ordinary. Not that anyone else cares about my life, but uh, so getting getting the young bloke outside has been has been challenging. But we'll, we've found some time and found some ways, so it's it's been pretty good, mate. Look, can I tell you? Can I tell you about our luck? So we we recently moved, as you know, and um, we, the the place we're renting right now has a pool, which is so hey, exciting. Nice, you know. And it's like we just move in just in time for summer. Oh, this is going to be fantastic! And the bloody it rains all the time. It's like, <laughs> come on. Unless in the pool like that, you can kind of just wait till the rain starts. So I'll run and jump in. Are your kids are young enough to enjoy kind of just being in the pool in the rain anyway? Are they? Or well, yeah, they'll, they'll go so in much. no matter what. But ah, the, good, the, okay. the, the, the trouble is, is they want me to go in as well. So I'm, I'm kind of forced. <laughs> yeah, <that's> like <laughs> I'm Dad, forced come in, come talk. in. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much a jump in. Ah, oh, that's nice. Jump out, kind of. Thing. Yeah, they, fair, they, they fair. just stay. They're fish. So <laughs> nice, nice. Like, yeah. So pool, pool is on our possible agenda. I have visions in my head of the old man mowing the lawns and then just diving in the pool. I was like, you know what? Sometimes when I finish mowing, I, I can, I can absolutely cast my mind back to that. I um I should do something about that at some point. You should. Just be careful it doesn't become a very expensive water feature, which is, I think, oh what, what often they, they Well, are. yes, yeah, so the, the, the code of the story about the old man is when we were about 15, they pulled the pool down and said, you're never using it, we're sticker cleaning it, yeah, and it was gone. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, there is that. There is that. Mate, uh, we, we have to, of course, mention the, the C word. We have to mention COVID because it was a... Uh, it, it's had a massive impact. Your point about the lockdown without having a lockdown, the Clayton's lockdown for those old enough to remember the old ads, <laughs> the drink you have when you're not having a drink. Um, it, it's been a bit of Clayton's lockdown, mate. And, mm. and you know, for in, to some degree that's better because people who were ideologically opposed to it or simply didn't want to be locked down or had to go to work um, get the opportunity to do that. So that's a positive. Um, but the economic impact, I, I, I tweeted the other day, actually, there was a photo, um, Brendan Wood, was the name of the guy who tweeted the photo? It comes back to me. Um, of the CBD, it was eight thirty uh, in the morning mm. during a weekday, and there was just I don't I don't know if there was a person in the street. There might have been one or two in the distance. Um, now this is a CBD that neither you nor I work in a, a CBD anymore, but um, these are normally bustling cities, and it's a reminder that while there not be a, maybe not be a formal lockdown, people's behaviour. We just talked about our own, and I know plenty of people doing exactly the same thing. I'm sure you do too. Um, we've, we have a quasi-lockdown, at least in terms of the economic impact. Well, literally in terms of people not going out, but the economic impact has been pretty pretty atrocious. Mm. Um, the number that stuck out to me was that ANZ released some uh, activity numbers in the first week of January, 
and they track a whole lot of spending in a whole lot of categories. And they said hospitality and retail was down, get this, 39%. That's so big, yeah. And you kind of think, you know, was it a surprise? Probably not. But $4 in 10, $2 in 5 not spent mm. versus the comparative period, which I assume is the year before. Um, just just a, a remarkable decline. And again, is it a surprise? Probably not. Is that, but, but is that number a surprise? Yeah. I don't remember those numbers, sans lockdowns being anything. I, I don't, I don't it's just, it's a phenomenally large number, right? A, a bad week would have been down 5%. Yeah, a terrible week down fifteen percent. Uh, to be down thirty nine percent is just a, a heck of a thing, and we also saw that with the we saw Kmart and Target, both owned by West Farmers, announced their sales results, and they said basically, and this it, it's 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 Omicron. It literally is the last two weeks of December, which unfortunately for most retailers is their peak 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 season, season were really soft. And that softness, they say, has continued into this year. Kmart target sales were down double digits for the six months ending December 31. And my sense is most of that impact was those last couple of weeks when sales should have been through the roof because that that's Christmas time, right? Mm. Um, it, it's, it's been reasonably ugly and I, I, I don't sense there's a change happening yet. No, I, I, I don't think so. Um, it's, it's amazing how... Well, it's amazing how long it's it's kind of dragged on. You you would you yeah. would think that there would have been. I, I can understand that the physical retail side of things, but the overall mm. side of things, that was more of the surprise. You know, it's very easy to sort of order things online, and we're all getting yes. better and better yeah. at that. And yeah. the, but but to that also that that to me is indicative of something a little bit more fundamental, I guess, uh, at, at yeah. play. Um, it, it's a real concern, mate. It is a real – obviously, you know, someone's spending is someone else's income, you know. Yep, so exactly. it, it is – It is. It is. You know, on one hand, you could sort of look at it and say, oh, it's great. It means we're all sort of saving a little bit more. But, it, you know, for the other half of the equation, a lot of people earning a lot less money. And I'm just continually reminded when I see these things of just how binary – the economic impact of, of COVID has been. Uh, as yes. we've, I've said before, it's just generally when you sort of see an economic slowdown, there's always, there's always, it's a relative impact. Some, some sectors being hit harder than others, but the, the mm-hmm. binary nature of it is there's, there's be people out there listening whose job really didn't change that much other than that they were sort of had to do a lot more Zoom meetings and work from home. But then there are others, hospitality, tourism, et cetera, which almost mm-hmm. literally went to zero I mean that is that is just that is just so substantial and and at least the first time around we had a lot more sort of stimulus and support and that sort of being taken away and mm. and and we've always had this <clears throat> perhaps not unreasonable expectation at least in the early days that it's okay we'll we'll knuckle down we'll get through it and then everything will go back to normal and here we are at the start of 2022 still right in the thick of it actually not right not right in the thick of it we are now experiencing the highest caseloads and hospitalizations and sadly deaths that that we've ever had in fact it's gotten it's it's never been this bad and i'm really concerned that this I still even heard the, the New South Wales Premier say today, it's all right, you know, this 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 thing is nearly over. And it's like, how many times do we have to learn this lesson? Like it, it yeah. I, my my prediction, and it's not it's hardly an out there prediction, is that we'll <laughs> see another variant pop up at some stage. Uh, and again, this is something that that may not ever become endemic as as they mm-hmm. like to sort of say it, but 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 we just continue to go through wave after wave after wave. And it's probably something that we will continue to see until we start taking a much more serious global approach and helping much poorer countries and stuff. That's that's where a lot of these variants tend to sort of come from because very low rates of vaccination. I just, 
it sounds very doom and gloom and I don't mean it to be that way, but I, I, I just hear this, a lot of this language of, oh, okay, well, it's, it's really sucked, but it's okay. This, the peak of Omicron is, is, is very close, if not here. And then, then, then things will go back to normal. And I, I just feel as though that's, I, I don't know if we've set ourselves up to, to go any, to ever go back to 2019 kind of conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a real concern. Well, that's a positive way to start the podcast for the year. Do you think, though? I think like, right. I mean, is it, is, I, I, is I it think, naive just yeah. to think it's okay, we'll just a couple more months and then we're back to normal? Like, maybe, but I just, I think it's, I think it's a, there's a lot of assumptions in that and you, you hear a lot of the experts sort of talking and mm. they've been pretty mm. consistent, you know, Yeah, and, yeah. and sort of saying, uh, well, we hope so and we can't guarantee one way or the other, but it, it's just, it's a little bit reckless, I think, to to have that as the default assumption and to sort of, to to plan and um, yeah. and forecast around that assumption because it, it may not be true. And I think that's the challenge in terms of the future. You know, I, there, there is there is no small irony in the fact that we were more conf- so consumer confidence also through the floor. I didn't mention that the lowest January consumer confidence in get this thirty years, mm. the lowest consumer confidence since October twenty twenty apparently mm. um, in absolute terms. The, the irony is that confidence in the past was supported by the decisions that people, the governments were making, policies that were being put in place that we felt confident about. Mm. In other words, the government's got our back. We will get through this. It'll all be fine. We can look forward to the, the, resi- the, the resumption of some version of normality. And this time around, we don't have that. That that's the critical missing. We talk about the retail sales. We talk about people getting out and about. We talk about the, the pace of whatever the recovery might look like. What's absolutely missing right now is that literally consumer confidence in terms of the numbers that are being recorded. But but you know, in in the sense of the economic engine, confidence. To, you know, if you feel confident about the future, you spend. If you don't feel confident about the future, you don't spend. Mm. And those are, as you already mentioned, you know, if, if your expenditure is someone else's income, they are the vicious or virtuous circles that we face. Mm. And the challenge, I think, for us right now is for all the government saying, live with COVID, get on with it, stand tall. I think it was the last one I saw. Um, governments are desperately trying to jawbone, you know, the old Glenn Stevens jawbone, jawbone the society we live in to believing that the future is okay and we should get on with it. Yeah. And that's, I, I kind of understand why, where they're coming from. The the gap that I think, and this is not this is not partisan because this is this is across the country, state and federal. So pick your pick your state and pick your leader, uh, pick your party. But the reality is, we are not confident. We are not we're not confident in the future. And whether that's the the risk of another outbreak, whether that's the the size of the hospitalizations and case numbers and deaths, whether that is um, the, you know the the rules and regulations being put in place, whether it is actually I have a sneaking suspicion consumer confidence would have been stronger with a lockdown than without one. Ironically, and plenty of people are now yelling at their podcast machine because um, you know they don't want it. I understand that. I don't want a lockdown either. I don't think you do. No. But there is there is something that the, the sheer Too reality late. is if your job was do the thing that restores confidence, whatever that thing is, and we may not even know what that is. Governments aren't doing it right now. It's not it's not working right. And again, if you're a if you're a small government person, you're a hands off, you say, Well, they shouldn't do that, that's also fine. The reality is the circumstances that we're in, we're in because of confidence is is Literally, bottom drawer through the floor. Pick your pick your metaphor. Well, that right? How about that? You, um, you can't but, jaw, uh, you, you know, can't jawbone this stuff though, right? Well, like, I think you can. You got to work out what's going to make people confident. And then point. I think you can point people in a direction. I think you can say, "Hey, don't forget X, Y, Z." And people go, "Oh yeah, good point." I mean, it is possible to help them look to the future or see the brighter side again because it happened in the past. 
but you have to provide them with the circumstances. You can't, you can't make them confident. What you can do is say to yourself and to others, and it's an exact science, What's going to make these people confident? What's going, to, what's going to help confidence? Let's do those things. And that's missing right now, I think. We all look at the world through our own prism. Um, we and and we, we sort of deal with the economy and markets. We yeah, sort true. of look at, look at things that sort of at a mass scale. But I do, mm-hmm. I do wonder when our leaders are sort of saying this thing, the nurse that's listening to that, the barman who's, yeah. who's listening to that kind of stuff, well, that's all good and well. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, am, I am completely on my knees here. Um, it, it just, I, I feel as though the, the lived experience of people on the front line, um, yep. no, no amount of confident rhetoric is, is going to mm-hmm. offset the, the daily reality that, that, that you're facing. Mm-hmm. So while it's good to sort of, uh, ha, you know, have a strong stance and speak positively and the rest of it, you kind of need a bit of action there. You know, mm-hmm. I was a bit nervous going into this podcast. I said to you off air, it's sort of like, it's how do you talk about this stuff without getting political and without yeah. having been painted uh, as sort of favoring one party or the other? But I, maybe I'm kidding myself. I'd like to think in a, in a pretty objective bipartisan way, you can, you can level some pretty serious criticisms, particularly at the federal level. Um, as as to the response that that has we have seen so far, and that mm. we can probably look forward to, it just sort of seems as though you know we're sort of reacting rather than planning. And mm. and you get, I really, I actually have a huge amount of sympathy for for our politicians in the early days because this thing just came out of left field, and yep, yep. you know, perfect the enemy of the good. You just have to do something. You have to do it fast, and you know that, that that's. JobKeeper, right? That that kind of stuff. But man, we're like more than two years into this now. It's just like, for goodness' sakes, how, how much how much time have you had to to prepare and plan and do do some things that that would really make a difference? And I'm really over. I've got to say, I'm really over this. This uh, spending money is is a really, really good thing. Even spending billions and billions of dollars, if it saves, we've made this point many times, if it, if it saves many, many billions more. And, and I feel as though it's very short-term thinking on a lot of these things. Oh, we can't give free rats because that would cost a lot of money. Well, it's like, it's only half the equation. What, how much money are we going to lose by not having this stuff and not enabling people to yeah, go back to yeah. work safely? It's sort of, it's, 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 it's 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 very frustrating, and and I'm sure a lot of people out there listening will <laughs> share in that frustration. <laughs> and I can only mm. I can only imagine with the greatest of sympathy what some people are thinking who have had had this touch their lives in a very very personal way with family very very sick or unfortunately even even no longer with us. I mean it's mm. and they, they're big numbers, right? Um, I don't know. It's 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 a it's a very despairing situation, and I, I can I can I can understand those confidence figures uh, in context of of all of that. We've all got a weariness to us. We've all got a huge amount of frustration with us, and it just feels as though that's that's. I just don't see any reason to sort of. It feels like a very reasonable response, actually. It'd be different. It was like, okay, look, we've got some things wrong here. We're going to do. We're going to make some big changes here. Here is the plan to get us out of it. This is what we're going to do. That is the leadership that's missing. Not just having. Not just someone telling us, you know, don't worry about it. It's all good. We've done yeah. all. You know, it just it that, that to your point that that jawboning is just. It's, I'm actually very cynical towards that at this point in time. And hopefully I can, I can make that comment in a, in a bipartisan way. 
Yeah, I think you can. I think, I, you know, well, here's the thing. You'll, some of our listeners right now are dis- disliking that comment and that's okay. Um, I hope they at least acknowledge the approach we're trying to take, which is that this is a difficult any, – anything that is policy-related has an ideological perspective to it, which relies on the views of the person giving it, but doesn't need to be political for its own sake. Yep. And we should be able to have those conversations about the policies, about the actions, about the regulations, about the rules, uh, without without being so. And I, I, I think if it, if you're listening to this and you're kind of having some responses to that, I, I probably would just ask you to have a think about it. You can absolutely disagree. You should disagree with plenty of stuff that we say because that's the reality of you know, opinions about finance, about anything. Uh, but this is, as you say, Andrew, you know, things become these days very political very quickly and they shouldn't be. They, they are absolutely influenced by ideology. They're absolutely influenced by, you know, the lived experience you talked about and different people have different views. I spoke to someone on Twitter the other day and I said, you know, my sense is that people are, you know, uncomfortable and, and scared and nervous and fearful of the virus and the circumstances, so they're pulling back. And he said, very, he's a really good guy. We chat regularly on Twitter. He's like, you know what? My experience actually with my mates is people are like, oh my God, if this goes any longer, we're going to have more lockdowns. So let's not, you know, well, let's, let's, you know, so, so he was saying he and his mates were worried about more lockdowns. And I'm saying, well, I, people I know are worried about being, you know, uh, having concerns about the fact there's, you know, more virus in the community. So that's why they're not spending. And so it's, it's you know, it's absolutely possible to have two very different perspectives. Um, but those perspectives are genuinely held and not, People want to put views in political boxes and then, and then argue that it's a political conversation. Mm. You love this party, you hate that party, uh, you're a lefty, you're a righty, whatever it is, rather than just the straight out, actually, it just happens to be viewed. If that view happens to correlate or correspond with an individual political party's view, then so be it. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make me, doesn't make me beholden to their, their party politics. And the same in, the, in reverse, right? I've, I've expressed on, on Twitter and elsewhere uh, support for and, and criticism of the federal government in different areas. Same with the well, state government in different areas and the, the opposition's in both states, by the way, on exactly the same bases. Mm. Um, and, you know, occasionally I'm called a Labor shill and occasionally I'm called a Liberal shill and it, that's just the way these things go and I can, it's frustrating. I can top that. But, yeah. but, you know, what, what, what we're trying to say is, you know, for, yes, don't hate us, but also more importantly, we would, you know, in anything, try to think past that because this this happens also, mate, by the way, to um, to, to, to finance and there are people out there who will oh, say, I was going to make this that party, point. Yeah. this party is great for the market, that party is great for the market and research done over and over again has almost zero correlation between the party in power. This is mainly US research, by the way. I don't know that there's been any done in Australia um, but over the very long term, there's been almost no correlation between the party in power and the subsequent market performance. No. And so you go, you know, is are Republicans great for the for the economy? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Are Democrats great for the economy? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. You say the same thing about the Liberal and Labor parties here and the, the various coalitions and other other parties on those spectrum. Um, but it's it's just a yeah, it's a reminder. Don't don't start with politics and then, and then assume you have to put a view or an opinion into the political box to reference it. It's okay to say, Scott Morrison's done this fantastically well. So I, I will say JobKeeper was spectacularly great, even despite the screw-ups. Now, version two should have been better, but they moved fast. They did it big. They made it work. It restored confidence that that very thing we're talking about now kept people in jobs, kept businesses afloat. It was exactly what was required. And to Josh Frydenberg's credit, he said, I've said this before, I think, quoting John Howard, there is no ideology in a crisis. He did mm. exactly the right thing. Mm. The subsequent stuff, the lack of continued urgency, to my mind, the lack of continued stimulus and government involvement to minimise the impact, I think is a mistake. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, am I pro-liberal then, anti-liberal now? No, <laughs> I think I think you made one good decision, one bad decision, and that's completely okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, part of the problem is I think people more so perhaps these days, they hear 
with the intent of responding, not with the intent of listening. Yes, that's true. You know, it's like while you're talking, I'm just I'm just preparing my uh, <laughs> rebuttal response. You yes, know, yes, and exactly. it, yes. it's like no, well, just there's, yep. there's really interesting points to be making on both sides. The other point I was going to make there is that what re- when you talk about frustration, what really frustrates me <laughs> is this real again binary thinking. So it's either lock, mm. it's either there's nothing between a full hardcore lockdown and let it rip. Yeah, now, exactly. That's ridiculous. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a whole bunch of things that we can do in between the two ends of that very long spectrum, yep. you know, but it seems as though we, we, we get stuck in this, this debate and it, it's sort of like, well, I'm actually, my personal view is that the horse is bolted, locked down. Given, given the, the level of, of spread yeah. at the moment, yeah. it's, it's probably not going to have much of an impact to lockdown. In fact, we're all kind of self-locking down anyway to some, to mm-hmm. some great extent anyway. But that doesn't mean that we can't have much more resources around uh, testing. It not, doesn't mean that we mm. can't do a lot of really sensible public health measures. It's like masks, you know. It, just, it seems it's, yeah. it's amazing how, <laughs> how political masks are and they, I hate wearing masks. They, they suck. But, God, it's so cheap, so easy, so super mm. effective. You mm. know, air, air filtration, opening windows, just just little things, you know. It, it sort of seems as though that, that, that we get stuck in this debate where we just – we just don't make any progress because there's no mm-hmm. nuance, there's no subtlety, and and that, that, that's that's what bangs my head, forces me to bang my head against the wall. Yes, exactly. No, I, but, think, I think that's right, man. But the point I was going to make too, you reminded me, it is very much like markets too. When if ever you're on uh, any kind of platform, and you, you, there'll be the bulls of one stock and the bears yeah, of another. Oh man, do you know? And it's kind of. I often think there's like there's actually both sides often have good points to make. Whether you're a bull yeah. or a bear on a given stock, I really I've yeah. said this repeatedly. If I really like yeah. a company, the people I really try and pay attention to are the people that disagree with me. You know, mm-hmm. and and that often there's you know businesses get get pitched as either the best thing since sliced bread or absolute mm-hmm. frauds. And again, there is subtlety there. Yeah. There is a context yes, exactly, there. Exactly, you know, exactly. you can have some businesses that have a few, ha- you know, otherwise decent businesses but have plenty of hairs on them. And you can have some pretty awful businesses that have some redeeming qualities too. I just, life's just not that simple. It's not that black and white. And that that kind of thinking mm-hmm. is really dangerous. The good thing about the market, I suppose, is is that that will act Absolutely resolve itself. <laughs> it you know, it will. <laughs> yes, you can yes. ideology. You can have whatever ideology or perspective that, that you want, but it, it, at some point, mm-hmm. you know, a quality will out, and and uh, the alternative will not. And uh, but but it does. We don't. We don't seem to have that resolution engine mm-hmm. <laughs> in in other areas of debate. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Um, and it, well, and it's, and it's psychological, right? People are so. Even if you have the resolution engine to some degree, there's always the twisting of the. I won't. I don't want to see those facts. I will change my argument. I will. I will fight my corner. You've said many, many times to me, a couple of times on the podcast too. I think that uh, you know, challenging someone's opinion just pushes them further into that corner of of defending that view to the point where they can't even listen to the alternative view, which is the other problem with humanity, right? Even even with the market, yeah. Well, I've I've bagged Steve Keen plenty of times in in good humour. Uh, but you know the Steve Keen response when the property price didn't fall away he said, "Yeah, well, they would have accept." You know, there's always there's always the get out free, get out jail free clause. There's always the whatever, and that's uh, that's just one of those one of those things. I think we'd that's all something. we'd all be a lot better off if we could say the, the three simple words of either I don't know or yes. you know uh, or, yeah. or you make a good point. Just, yes, exactly. You, you know, the, the, it's it's just yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, we should. If 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 humanity was smart, we would actually pride ourselves on the number of times we changed our minds. Yeah, 
Yeah, you know that that would be the, that that probably be the, if you could if you could improve humanity, I reckon that's that's the one thing you do. And I I I don't know. You think about that. Imagine if we all all of a sudden our egos were linked to the number of times we changed our minds, rather than the amount of times we fought desperately with ever increasingly stupid arguments to maintain our point of view because we just couldn't let go. Oh, it's 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 such a it's such it's particularly in investing. It is such an mm. incredibly important skill to be able to change mm. your mind and 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 or, or just to be able to acknowledge that you don't know and put something in the too hard basket. I've said many times before, my too hard basket. Is overflowing. It's very, it's a very full basket, but that's okay. You know, you don't have to have a strong opinion on on everything. And I love the phrase, you know, strong opinions weekly held. I think that's that's really the approach that you need when it when it comes to investing because mm-hmm. things aren't black and white. Things are very complicated. The future is very unknown. It's a chaotic system that's sort of out there that just change very quickly in very unpredictable kind of ways. And anyone who doesn't recognize that fact is in is in for a very rude shock and potentially losing a lot of money. So it's 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 mm-hmm. it's it's a philosophy, I suppose, but it's also it's a very pragmatic stance at the same time and, and one that you're mm-hmm. gonna need if you want to survive <laughs> in the markets. And survival <laughs> is the most important skill of all because if you're not around, you'll never you'll never enjoy compounding, you know? Um, so true. You need so true. <laughs> endurance is 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 the thing that 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 ma- sort of matters more than anything else when it when it comes to mm-hmm. wealth creation. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let, let's, let's just finish off on, on retail for a minute because we're now in a position where we're, believe it or not, 10 days out-ish from the beginning of earnings season. Um, it normally starts reasonably slowly, gets busy in the middle of February and then tapers off again with a couple of last day uh, announcements being put out by people who desperately had to get there just in time. Um, it's... I, I have said before, I think, on the podcast, certainly elsewhere, this is the most unusual time, obviously, for any of us living, but as an, as an investor, as an analyst, because we haven't had a clean sheet in terms of clear numbers from any business because of COVID since the 2019 financial year. Mm. We're now in the 2022 financial year, and this is not going to be a clean year. Mm. And so if you think about... The how do you try to put a line through some of this stuff and say, what does the future look like? You know, we, we talk a lot about future earnings power. And for most of the time you say, okay, well, Woolies sells this many groceries. They're probably going to sell this many groceries plus a few in, in a year's time. The margins are going to be roughly this or this. You can kind of put together a set of assumptions based on the past, based on other competitors, based on just reasonable understanding of the business and, and kind of look at the future. And you look at someone like a Kmart or Target and you go, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know where this where this levels out. You look at someone like JB Hi-Fi and say, I don't know where this levels out. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other businesses, not just these guys, the, the the online digital businesses, the Zooms of the world. I don't know where, I don't know where this nets out. Um, it, it's been an incredibly, incredibly difficult couple of years. And I'm not complaining, by the way, it's what we're paid for and we're all investors. So we're all having to make the same decisions, amateur or professional alike. I, I am inclined to think this fall is temporary because of the circumstances that we're in a combination of cycling on strong sales last year which there were because of that you know we actually spent a lot of money this time last year oh, or sorry which i meant so we're talking about the second half which finished in december so take that back a year mm-hmm. uh, the second half of, of last year we spent a lot of money um uh, declines are probably to be expected this time around but the question is how much of a decline should you factor into the share price and how much is overreacting, how much is underreacting? How are you thinking about some of this stuff as we approach earnings season? It's always the conundrum for me um, because we take – 
COVID out of it altogether. It, it, it always frustrates me when people say, oh, I'm going to invest when things look more certain because, you know, whatever <laughs> uncertainty is present now will be replaced by other uncertainty. You tell me a time in the markets where there was great certainty and I will yep. point to a time of peak exuberance and and probably the most <laughs> dangerous right. the exactly. most dangerous time to invest. It, yeah. it, it, it is, wasn't actual certainty. It was it was perceived certainty because it wasn't. That was the point. It, it, there, is, there is no such thing. You know, a friend yeah. of mine yeah. used to say, if you want to guarantee, buy a toaster, you know, because you're not going to get... <laughs> You're not going to get one. In, I've loved that saying. You never. You're, you're not. You're not going to get one in the market. So, right. but in regard to the, the current situation, the, the challenge mm. is always. Um, I, I think so. If you have like the best business in the world, um, mm. one that mm. if you could travel into the future, we, you would know would be around many decades in the future and much larger and more profitable than it is today. Yeah. That journey yeah. is never going to be one of a straight line. There, there will always yeah. be speed bumps and hiccups or whatever metaphor you want to use along the way. And the challenge point. I always find is that that separation of of negative events between mm-hmm. what you might call a structural decline versus what might just be a cyclical decline. So it's hard. Like the, I, I agree with you conceptually, but. 2019, like there's a long time ago to try and work out the structural. We've got to put, you know, you know, when you draw a graph, you draw the graph and then you put dashed lines where you don't really know where you're estimating or forecasting. Mm. I kind of feel like every every result since, you know, literally the 2019 financial year are these dashed lines of like, I kind of hope this is the structural bit and I kind of hope this is the cyclical bit, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's, and well, I, I actually, I come back to the, to the former point and, and of my two hard basket, because there's a lot that just goes in there. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I don't, another saying I'm quite fond of is, you know, in, hope is not an investment strategy. So if I, <laughs> yeah, if like I, that. if I can't, um, if I can't have a reasonably high conviction on something, I just don't invest in, I don't have to, no one's holding a gun at my head. You know, I can, I can leave my yeah. money in the bank if I want to. It's going to bugger all interest and we'll get eaten away by an inflation. But, geez, that's a better alternative than investing in something that I've kind of got a loose, vague hope that might turn out mm. well. That's, mm. that's, that's, that's really, really bad investing. So it really, it really diminishes the, um, the opportunity set that you have as an investor. Mm. That being said, there are other companies where I, I just I just find it a much easier proposition. Where I, you know, I, I would say regardless of COVID, just to pick some some really well known companies, something like a Netflix uh, or an Amazon will be just fine. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is there is there is certainly um, cyclical elements at play, um, but uh, I, I don't think that there's anything structural at play there. When it comes to some of these retailers, particularly the the old school retailers that have been really slow to adapt to the online world, I think there's much more structural factors at play there. And while they're being mm-hmm. knocked around by things like COVID, I think even when eventually, hopefully, that that dissipates, they'll still be facing all kinds of challenges. You, you actually see it. When speaking of retailers, you actually see it. The ones that that held up really well were the ones that had made in well before COVID was a thing had made huge investments in warehousing and logistics and online capability. Mm. And, and so when it hit, they, were, they didn't know it was coming, but they, they had the infrastructure there to react much, much, much better than those that hadn't uh, or businesses that were much more agile and able to move much faster. So I'm trying to look for those kinds of characteristics where you've got leaders at the, at the helm here who are making these very, very long-term decisions based on sort of structural considerations and not just, as perhaps our government is, 
reactionary. Oh, this has happened. Okay, now we need to do this. Oh, okay, this has happened. Now we need to do this. It's just <laughs> you, you can yeah. get a sense of that just just by following a company and reading all of its announcements and annual reports and that kind of stuff. And um, yeah. you know, my my favorite sort of whipping. Whipping boy here about the old world department stores, you know, that just had just super, super strong businesses for the longest of time and just whistled as they walked mm-hmm. past the graveyard, you know, and and, and, and then now is sort of crying foul as these up, up and coming disruptors have sort of knocked them for six. No, no, I don't think they'll ever come back. They, 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 and that was, that was not, COVID has perhaps accelerated some of the demise here, but but it was probably always inevitable given given yeah. given the structure of the business and given the, the thinking and, and strategy of, of 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 management so it's a very long-winded answer mate but but i guess i'm 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 trying i'm i'm trying to look at a company that no company out there will be immune to to any difficulties and economic cycles and that but some will be much more to borrow a, a phrase from Taleb, uh, anti-fragile <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. than others, and and that's that's a characteristic that's really really worth trying to get a handle on when when you're looking at a business. One that no business is immune to to challenges and difficulties, but some will prove to be far more robust. In, just in either the, the sector that they operate, the structure of the business, the the um, uh, the, the strategy that they're employing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and these are ones that you know I'm still going to suffer. I'm, I've suffered on a few. Um, over over the period, but I still feel pretty good about it because I I, I, I think the long term story is there. So I think it's it, yeah I, I I think I agree. Um, it's a it's a challenge. It's a it's a the, the challenge for me is not so much. I think that's exactly right. But even when you mentioned Amazon, and everyone knows I own shares by now, but I'll mention it again. The price for Amazon right now may be completely reasonable, completely unreasonable. Because the level of profitability may or may not be sustainable, or the level of sales may not be sustainable, or the sales growth may not be sustainable because of that last couple of years, right? And so your point about are more people using mm. Amazon? Yes. Will more people use Amazon next year than did in 2019 because a lot of them have adopted it and it's just naturally structurally growing? Absolutely. But if I'm paying X dollars for the shares and they're doing X dollars in sales and Y dollars in profit, um, is that worth today's share price? Maybe. Uh, uh, is, that that- gonna, is that going to still be around? In you know, did those those sales fall away and therefore is today's company overpriced. That's what I mean about the business. Yeah, yes. Trying to work out what shares uh, to buy and sell is yeah. there's, a, there's a business. I, Amazon's fine. Um, and, and if the business came up and target as, as rubbish businesses as they are, those declines won't be permanent because they will bounce back to something and it might not be great. But this, mm. it, it's reasonably easy to know that this is decently cyclical or at least cyclical is a weird word, right? Because it applies cycles. It kind of one-off is probably the way I'd probably use it because mm. hopefully <laughs> we, we all hope, despite your comments at the beginning, that maybe, uh, maybe we do see the back of this as a pandemic at some point, even as an epidemic. At some point, maybe it just becomes endemic. But um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, trying to work out the right price to pay for these companies based on those levels of profitability or not, the recovery or not, or the fall. For those who got one-off benefits, like an Amazon, if they got a one-off benefit, they probably did. When people go back to Walmart or back to Macy's or wherever else they go in the US, um, you know, am I looking at Amazon saying, gee, it's going well, like, oh, I should remember that this is not going to, you know, this, this will pass and the future won't be quite as bright. I think that's an excellent point, but it's a different point. So, so it's kind. Of, you're, you're talking of, of one of valuation. So, yes, I, I think I, for, for me, a starting point for any investment is before I even think about the share price. Is is this mm. business around in five, ten years? Oh, and totally. It, and is yes. it is it a bigger, better business at that point in time? That's that's yeah. the first question. You can actually, by the way, you can actually do, and some people specialize in this kind of cigar butt investing, where mm. where you can actually do well in companies that are are deteriorating if you if you pay 
a cheap enough price uh, uh, mm, for it. Mm. It's, it's not my style. I find that, you know, I, I think that's a very difficult approach and I, I don't like to sort of inflict <laughs> pain on myself. So, but, so I, I, like to, I like to start with, you know, with the wind yeah. at my back kind of thing. Nice. And, yeah, I agree. And I, so I'm I fine. think that's, 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 that's the, I guess the point I was trying to make was, was that that is a, yeah. a first question. Then you, as you very rightly point out, then you have to then say, okay, well, no business, no matter how wonderful, as Charlie Munger says, is worth an infinite amount. So, you know, mm. I need, I need mm. to put a figure on this that makes sense. You mm. know, Netflix might be a great business. It's not worth $400 billion per share. It's, it's not. You know, it's be more money than that exists on planet Earth. So logically, it's, it's somewhere between zero and that sort of that ridiculous figure. Mm. Um, this is what's been interesting over since we were sort of last doing these podcasts on a live basis, we've seen these big re-rates, particularly in, in technology companies, not because most of these companies are facing any kind of structural decline, but because they were all, to use the phrase, the well hackneyed phrase, priced for perfection, <laughs> you know? And I, I, it actually kept me away from a lot of company, very frustratingly so. There's nothing, as they say, there's nothing more painful than watching your neighbour get rich, you know, as, I just go, as these stocks moon and go up and up and up and up and up. <laughs> I like the business, but man, there's a lot kind of expectation put into that. We've had a lot of debate on Strawman about a company called Brainship. I don't know if you've been following that story. Mate, can I tell you, I mentioned it on Ausbiz once and I got trolled on Twitter for weeks. Ooh, about be careful like what you it. say. Yeah. You but, can't say you don't like it. You can't say you don't like no, it. We can't no. keep going. Well, it's, it, it's, it's an excellent case in point. For those that don't know, they're mm. develop, developing a new type of chip. In fact, they're, they're kind of well along the path of having done that. Neuromorphic edge computing to get into the parlance of it. And it, it, mm. it is... It's really exciting stuff, but this business is now worth more than $3 billion and they've barely got any sales. And uh, the, the, the shares have gone parabolic, like parabolic. They, have, they were, you know, 40 cents and now they're more than, you know, they're almost three bucks. They just, just right, accelerated right. in a near straight line. And it's a really good, it's a really good um, uh, analogy as to what's happening in a lot of other sort of spaces here. Though. It's just that it's mm, very mm. sentiment driven and I I don't know if if a lot of people have have. Uh, I, my worry is that there's a lot of punters getting involved in it because, quote unquote, shares are going up, and they don't want to miss the train, and and you're piling into it. It, 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 it. We've seen on the other side of that where companies that experienced that previously, where there's sort of financial gravity takes hold, where no matter how exciting the company mm, is, mm. it's a sort of like. Yeah, shares have fallen way, 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 way back down mm. again. A company that I own shares in actually and followed for a long time, Point Terra, another small little company, mm. won't, won't get into it. I thought it was a great company. You know, I was buying as much as I could at below 10 cents. It got to 90 cents, right, at one stage. I'm like, I love the company. I think it's got really good potential. Um, and uh, I sold out a lot though because it was just, it was silly. It got really, really, yeah, really right. silly. And this is this is just to your point that that you, you, you valuation – really, really, really kind of matters. And um, uh, what am I, what's my point? My, <laughs> my point? my point is, I guess, is that there's, there's going to be really big divergences between what a yep. reasonable person might reasonably assume about the future um, yes. and what the market will infer by, by mm. virtue of its, of its share price. And you as an investor, that's mm. your job. That is your job to yep. figure out if, is, is, is this reasonable? And it's super hard. And even when you're right, the market will rub your face in it for a long, 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 long time uh, before you're sort of sort of shown to be right. Um, yeah. 
don't know, mate. I, I'm um, rambling at this point. No, no, I, I like it because I, the, the, it's what you're, you made the point about the, the, you know, the price being up and people going, people going because the price is going up. I think there's actually something, and this is not about brain chip necessarily. And God, like seriously, if you if you own brain chip shares, don't, dear mummy, I don't want to hear it. Um, but uh, I'm not going to talk about brain chip specifically. But you know, it's, I think there's actually something a little bit even more sinister in terms of our human psychology and, and biology and chemistry than than just that, right? It's not that people are buying because it's going up. It's the bit that says to you, shares are going up, therefore people, other people are saying my thesis is right. Mm. Therefore, my thesis must be right. Therefore, I'm... So it's not even... The, people say, no, I'm not buying because it's going up. I'm buying because it's a great company. And look at this, look, how, look how great the company is and the shares are going up. So obviously, I'm right. Mm. And so it's, it's, it's not even... It's, it's actually that the share price not only is going up in itself, it's just that straight, the first dimensional, you know, it's going up, so I guess it's going up, so I guess I want to buy some while it goes up. But that's part of it, absolutely. But a whole lot of people who say, interesting idea, kind of like it. Wow, the shares, see, I told you they're going up. I'm right. Look, I'm right. The company's right. All my thesis, see, it's, I'm proven right. Look at this. Mm. And it's not just Brainship, by the way. It's Woolworths and it's Commonwealth Bank and it's BHP and it's, you know, it's every company. When the shares are going up, you, you, you feel like, yeah, see, I knew I was right. Mm. Look, the market's showing me I'm right. When the shares are down, it's like, oh, bloody market, stupid market. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, and, it's, you know, it's, 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 so a, true. it's a... It's an important difference. Anyway, so I, I just think I think that's a, you know, you, you're absolutely right to say that diff, you always, as always, separate the two. I just would say to people, and we've said this before, but just, just be careful if you're buying a company based on current profits or you're tempted to sell based on current profits, either because they're too high or too low, um, just, just be mindful about what the future might look like for some of these companies that have had one-off benefits and one-off costs from the pandemic or maybe even two-year benefits and costs, quite frankly, because when we get back to removing some of those one-off benefits or, you know, multi-year benefits, Mm. Um, some of it will be left behind when when, it, when when the tide goes out. Sometimes leaves a whole lot of sand behind, and that's great. Other times it doesn't. And just just be careful of of you know what you're assuming when it comes to pricing those businesses. Andrew's dead right, absolutely right. Mm. You want to get the best business first. You want to get businesses that are growing. Ab- those things are absolutely true. Mm. You can still pay too much for those businesses if you get them wrong, and equally you can miss out on opportunities because short term pain can be too easy to see as as permanent. Ingham's shares during the time we're off, mate, fell 7.5% one day mm. because of some sort of short-term employee and supply chain problems. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, I don't love Ingham's. I'm not going to suggest anyone buy the shares. But if you liked it on day one and you, you it was worth 7.5% less on day two just because for the next couple of months there's going to be a few employees away, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, it's a, it's a big deal and supply chain's a big deal. I supply supermarkets. Like the shortage is a, is a problem. But... You know, think about ten years worth of Ingham's future profitability. It's a, it's a, it's a poof day. It's, mm. it's, it's a, it's a percentage. It's not. Mm. You know, seven percent of the entire future value of that company from now till Kingdom Come was wiped off in one day because they're going to have some chickens for a couple of months. Mm. It's like that's a that's a reasonably easy overreaction to identify. I love that moment. though. I love that. I, I I I'm really on the hunt for those kinds of things. Oh, where, totally. where that disconnect exists, where there's you know, un- undoubtedly no debate, no argument whatsoever. There's something bad that's happening. Mm-hmm. But when you can have a very firm view that actually this is this is definitely not a long-term structural problem, the market has just now given me an opportunity. I mean, yeah. as a potential shareholder or even as an existing shareholder, am I happy about this? No, of course not. But does yeah. it really change what the business looks like in the year 2032? Not really. Um, yeah, exactly. They're great opportunities. They're really wonderful opportunities. By the way, even when you spot them and you're right, you'll buy and they'll still drop another 20% <laughs> yeah. from that. But you'll still do well. You'll still, I mean, again, if you're right, you'll, you'll, you'll still do well. And they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're the things to, to look out for. The flip side of that, as we've just been saying, though, is, is you, you, can, you can be right about a business and, and it do very well but still lose a lot of money if you've just paid any yeah. price. And, and I, I, 
I think some, particularly in the tech space, uh, particularly mm. in the US and in the smaller cap area of our market, we have really seen that here where we've just seen some really brutal re-rates. Redbubble is a good example of this latest. Yes. It's an online marketplace where you can go and get some independent artist to, to, to put a, you know, they'll put a print on a T-shirt or a coffee mug or a, a COVID mask or, or something like that. Um, geez, I mean, shares are down seventy percent over the last year. Now, the business's marketplace revenue is actually growing pretty. I don't want to get into this, but it, it is it is an interesting <laughs> uh, example of that. It's actually going pretty yeah. reasonably well. And and for whatever your bull case is uh, on that, if, if it is if it is predicated on on a, a reasonably fast clip of revenue growth, well, actually, it's kind of it's kind of more or less on a normalized basis. That, that that's what you're seeing. But now it's seventy yeah. percent cheaper. It's fascinating. <laughs> it's fascinating. Um, yeah. I don't own, yeah. by the way, and I have no intention. There's there's a lot of detail to get into there, which we don't have time to. But but anyway, I just mm. I, it's a it's a it is it is a point worth making again and again, and I'm, I'm sure we will in many future podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> we get the occasional uh, correspondence. You guys, you're great. You make you make some really good points over and over again. I'm like oh, I think that's backhanded compliment. Yeah. Not to <laughs> we will we will make you know. <laughs> Here's the secret at the beginning of 2022. Um, nothing's changed in investing in the last 40 years or so. <laughs> so, no. so realistically, the principles that we talk about, yes, yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to apply them appropriately, help you learn through them, give you some examples, tell you where there's some uh, different ways to think. But uh, yeah, not, not that much changes that. What do they say? That the four most dangerous words in investing are this time it's different? That's what they say. It's pretty true too. Uh, nothing changes. Hey, um, let's let's. I want to I want to pose to you. Mm-hmm. I want to pose to you three numbers. There is no possible way I can do this without giving away the game, but I'll I'll do my level best to get as far as I can. How much do you reckon the S and P five hundred was up over the last twelve months? Have a guess. Gosh, I really should know this. Uh, no, you shouldn't. Uh, and by the way, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm literally springing this on Ramy's being a very. You good did warn me that you're you. going to spring something on well, me. Yeah, I, but I didn't tell you what. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want your reaction responses to be live. Oh, okay. Gosh, I should know, but I want to say 18%. Oh, dear, I do. 17.7. Well done, mate. That's about as good as it gets. Well done. So 17.7%, the S&P 500 up over the last 12 months. Let's put that aside. How much do you reckon Tesla is up over the last 12 months? Oh, a lot. Um, 200%. 17.1. Oh, oh, really? Okay. Tesla has underperformed the S&P 500 over that 12 months. But yeah. go to Apple for me. Don't look up anything on your computer. I see you're typing I'm actually typing Tesla in because I don't believe oh, there you. you go, all right. But I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, let me make sure I'm right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. I'm definitely right. Um, let's go to Apple. How much do you reckon Apple's up over the last 12 months? Well, I'm, I'm going to suggest it's more than Tesla. Um, okay. Uh, I don't know, 20%, 200%. Gosh, how, how wrong was I? But I'll go, I'll go 20% now with, uh, with Apple. 26%, pretty close. Oh, okay. Well done. Okay. Well done, well done. Last one for you. And this is the sugar to go away. How much are you going Berkshire's up over the last 12 months? Oh. Berkshire Hathaway, I own shares in Berkshire Hathaway, I will say up, up front. 30%. 34.1%. Hey. Yeah. Well done. Now, I, I, you, you knew the whole point of bringing this up was, to, was that Berkshire was done better than the other two, right? Um, it, uh, mate, I just it, I did the numbers about two weeks ago, and I did them again now to make sure they were still true. And actually, they were much, much, much closer. Um, Tesla and Apple had a tough last couple of weeks, and, and Berkshire's had it's fallen a little bit, but but doing okay. Um, it's, it, the, it's a very small point, very short point I want to make, which is just that stories don't always tell the story, and. 
if you took, if you take a longer period of time, I'm sure the other companies are at different amounts. And Berkshire's got a longer history. Tesla's probably done much better in the most recent past. Apple's probably done better over 20 years. It, it doesn't really matter. It's not about which company's better than the other. And this goes back to our conversation about, you know, the arguments about companies and kind of falling in love with them and arguing just one one point, right? I happen to own Berkshire. For what it's worth, Berkshire is the largest shareholder on Apple. So I'm, you know, benefiting or not either way. Um, it, it, I just wanted to raise the point because if you'd ask someone at the beginning of 2021, which companies were going to do well based on their business growth. You would have had the person who says, Berkshire's this boring conglomerate business that sucks and Buffett's old and is out of it and it's not going to do well and it's blah, blah, blah. But Tesla, man, that's the best thing ever. It's going to be up, you know, as you said, 200%. Um, you know, it's, it, it's a great business, doing so well. Uh, it's going to keep doing really well. Of course it will because it's selling more cars. Everyone loves it. And, and it just, I just want to disconnect it. Almost, it, I had the, um, the run sheet done before we talked about it, but it's almost back to your last point which is just that you've got to separate the business from the share price, right? And there's going to be periods where the two simply don't match up. Is Berkshire growing faster than Apple or Tesla no, business-wise? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, but the last 12 months, great year for all three companies, by the way. Like, who's knocking back any of those returns? Um, but Berkshire managed to actually almost double the S&P 500's return, which no one had on their bingo card for 2021. Isn't that interesting? And it's, I just, mm. it's, and it's just a reminder that, you know, find value where you find it. Find growth. Where, I don't mean value as in value investing, but just, just you've got to, you know, again, I, I, <laughs> I, I, you almost sold almost all my thunder, which is great, but separate out as much as you can. All of the carry on about the stories and the, the whatevers, Buy great businesses at good prices that have got good futures and let them do their thing. And again, all three companies did well. So this is not a case of, you know, Tesla sucks, Berkshire's great or Apple's whatever. Like, yeah, it's not my point at all. My point was just to highlight the fact this boring conglomerate that, you know, no one's posting about on Reddit and no one's putting on the front page of the AFR and Byron Buffett's not getting any, you know, he's getting one poofteenth of the uh, of the ratio of, you know, Elon Musk's you know, headlines and tweets and retweets and whatever. And so, yeah, for all the love, for all the fanboys, for all the fangirls, for all the whatevers, just separate them out. And again, mm. I'm not saying, we'll have people right now saying, yeah, but Tesla's going to do better in the future and Apple's got this and Berkshire's that. It's not. It's honestly not my point. It's just my point is this boring, massive conglomerate on the Warren Buffett's past it, you know, shares that underperformed for a couple of years in a row. And you just, you have a 12 months like that and you go, oh, okay, turns out that, you need to separate those two bits of noise and determine the underlying value of a business and what it's worth. And, and, and that's just a very simple point. Yeah, I'll just expand on that. It's also, I, I, you know, these annual figures, how meaningless they are. So I just, yeah, exactly. in, 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 after you told me that about Tesla, I looked it up. So it's no. up, it's up uh, whatever you said, uh, for, the, for the year. What was it, 17%? Uh, yeah, 17%. Yeah, it's up 10, it's up 1,000% since the start of 2020. Yeah, so, right, there you go. So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. context... Context yep. really, really matters. So you, your, your point is 100%, 100% true. But what yep. really matters as an investor is someone, and I'm using the word investor here, not speculator, not trader. <laughs> yes. There's very, yep. very big difference here. You know, it's, the, the real wealth creation <laughs> is generated over multi-year periods. Yes. So really kind of whatever happened over totally, the last totally. 12 months is, you know, you, you're going you, to, the, the, uh, it's been made many times and it's been mm -hmm. shown in lots of research uh, yeah, that, that, yeah. that the world's best investors, people that have decades of track record, have yeah. actually mm -hmm. spent, I think it's at least at least one in three years underperforming. 
So if you were to sort of say to someone, hey, I'm from the future, here's a guy that you can invest or a girl you can invest with, uh, one in every three years they're going to underperform the market, you'll think, well, right, maybe, yeah. it, maybe you, you probably still instinctively know that that's still okay, That's still, yes, but, yeah. but it's not going to be great. In fact, mm. it can be phenomenally great. Um, it's, mm. it's just going to happen. I think a lot of us beat ourselves up over that. Yeah. Um, and, and fund managers know this very well and not, they, they probably don't deserve much sympathy on average. So <laughs> I'll be careful no. here because the, the, the industry as a whole doesn't cover itself in glory. <laughs> but they see this all the time when, when yeah. annual performance tables are produced. And everyone yeah. takes their money out of the worst performing fund and they pop yeah. it into the best performing <laughs> That's fund right. and vice versa. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah. of, it, it, yeah. and it's sort of like, uh, it's a really arbitrary kind of time frame to sort of measure. And, yeah. and, and even the best fund managers are going to be at the bottom of that table a lot, not just one in 10 yeah. years, you know, type thing. A lot, it's going to happen. And it's going to happen to you as an individual investor. Um, mm. Stay the course. Yeah. Endurance is yeah. what counts. Uh, just for fun, mate, I've just I've just gone. So I've hit the max button on Tesla and Apple for, and, and the, the, these time periods aren't obviously perfect. But Apple apparently, since listing, is up one hundred eighty four thousand six hundred percent. Yep. Yep. Tesla since listing twenty five thousand eight hundred twenty eight percent. Yep. And then I went back. Berkshire's for some reason the numbers only go back in Berkshire nine ninety six. So I just grabbed the quick the annual uh, letter from Warren Buffett since nineteen sixty five. Berkshire's are up two point eight one million. Wow. <laughs> so it's just, you know, the, the value, your point of the value of long-term compounding, staying the core, those are the numbers that absolutely matter. It's that, it's that you know, 12 months of Berkshire's better than Tesla in the last 12 months. As you said, the two years after that, Tesla's tenfolded. Uh, and over, over the fullness of time, Apple's up, you know, what is it? 181,000%. And th- those are the numbers that an investor should be focused on. And it really does put any of the any of stuff we just talked about, the gyrations are absolute context of my shares, my Berkshire shares are up 2%, down 2%. My Tesla shares are up down 2%. Yeah, fine. But, you know, uh, it's the long term that counts. Do you know what I find fascinating about those kinds of numbers is that I would argue very strongly that the, by and large, the majority mm. of shareholders in those companies are not happy. Uh, sorry, let me, let, me, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Former shareholders in those yes. companies are not happy because, and yeah. I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone on this front, is what you do is you buy one of these companies because you say, oh, over the next 10 years, Apple's going to do really, really well for all, for all of these reasons. You buy some shares, a year or two later, you find yourself up 100% or something. And, you know, so it's, I doubled my money. It's fantastic. That is so yeah, great. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to lock it in. You never go broke taking a profit, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> that is not the way to build wealth, you know. It, 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 the, the people who really have life-changing um, outcomes on the share market are those that yeah. just sort of sit through it. The other yeah. fascinating thing about those um, those performance figures is that it's a really great exercise. I wish I wish more charting packages had this. In fact, and what 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 you can do is you can chart the performance of a share from the most recent high, and and what it does is it measures what they call drawdowns. So, like you know, what, how has the share perf- performed since it hit its most recent high? And what you see is sort of this: you see this line at the top, and you see all these bars going down. So it hit a new high, and then it and then it went down from there. And and these companies that are up squillions and squillions of percent uh, over multi-decade kind of timeframes. They all, all of them, without exception, suffer these huge big pullbacks along the way, 30, 40, sometimes 50, 60% along the way. It's, it's totally normal. So it's mm. a good reminder that just to double down on your point here, one, 
that's where the real wealth creation is made. It is made over years, multi, multi-year mm-hmm. periods. It's mm-hmm. not made over over the short term, although you might get lucky yeah. every now and yeah. again. Yeah. But even if even if um, you, you you stay the course, you're going to feel pretty crappy at a lot of points along the way. And why I say there's a lot of disappointed former shareholders out there is because they, they very few people do it. It's, the Fortescue Metals is a good example here in Australia. People go, oh, imagine you know the person who bought it at, at this price, and you know, it's like oh, I guarantee you there's like you count that on one hand the number of people yeah, who yeah. bought who bought back in you know, whatever it was 20, so 2010 or something. They don't happen. Uh, was it you? Was telling me the story of someone I think is on the board was a plumber who just bought a bunch of shares when they were super just never sold never sold a thing didn't reweight right. their portfolio didn't do all the things that yeah. smart people are meant to do and yep. just owns millions and millions and millions of dollars <laughs> worth of shares because they made one good That's decision brilliant. and then <laughs> yes. they sat on their bum for a long yep. long 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 time through periods of, of overvaluation through periods of great difficulty through supply shocks through economic contractions mm-hmm. for major you know commodity price swings well, lots of smart FX. people saying you should sell because oh yep yep absolutely and that yeah. that is yeah. I've, I've well, you and I have had this conversation probably on the pod but certainly off air as well <laughs> and I feel as though I would have had much superior returns if mm-hmm. I was I was I was forced to never sell it, w- it would yeah. mean that there a lot of a lot of the stuff I had bought previously, I would have suffered much more losses on too. But it also would have meant that a lot of things that ended up doing crazily well, I would have captured much, much, much more of the upside. And and uh, mm. sometimes you just got to get out of the way. You really do. If the story is there, and the and the, and the opportunity is significant enough, uh, mm. you know, I, I saw on Twitter the other day that what you want to do is find these big mega mega trends, find the winners, and then hold. And if you don't do the last thing, the first two things don't mean anything. And I just thought that's, it's, that's and then, look, there's different styles of investing, but I just, yeah. it really may, it, if that's, that, uh, it, that's an approach that resonates with me. If you're the, if you're the person that, that can spot a, a big trend and, mm-hmm. and identify winners, it's useless if, if you're not going to hold. It, it really is. You might make a little bit of cash, but you, you, you're never, you're never going to have those life-changing outcomes. It, it's, so David Gardner, the Motley Fool co-founder, who we must have on the podcast at some point, um, be so cool. made the made the point. Uh, so in his portfolio, he rarely sells, and his point is the losers have become so small they become irrelevant. Yeah, they reweight the themselves. Right, and yeah. so it's kind of you, you know you've, you've been about Gage Rhodes, and we did talk about. It. I still can't sell because the episode. I don't know where it went live, but I, I, I got to be careful there. <laughs> um, we did get there was an announcement during the during the uh, the break, and someone did jump on Twitter and suggest that maybe it was a reason to hold. All of a sudden, I'm not sure about that, but we'll we'll have a chat about Gage <laughs> at a different time. But but like it's part of that, mate. Like I'm in my own. We haven't got time to go into it in detail now, but part of my own thinking about my investing is actually kind of that of like you know individually, does it make sense to try and work out when to sell some stocks? Of course it does. Um, if Gage sucks, or it's now called Good Drinks Australia, I own shares for full disclosure, as I said. Um, it, you know, if, if, you know, if, they, if, they're gonna, if they do suck and going to suck and, and I've got money that I can take and put somewhere else, it makes obvious logical sense to do that. Mm. On the other hand, the idea of, you know, I don't know if I'd never, ever say I would commit to never selling anything, but, but as I think through my investment approach and my portfolio approach, if I just literally put a line under that and the cost of not selling gauge or good drinks was that I held on to something that then went on to 10 bag because they made those arbitrary decisions of, no, I'm not going to rush out of that particular company in a hurry or any particular company in a hurry. And the, so it means I have to hold gauge or I choose to hold gauge, but I also hold, I don't pick the company, Tesla. Um, I don't own Tesla for the for the record. But, you know, while it, while it rose and crashed and rose and crashed, I'd be, I'd be a far, far, far more 
um, I'd be much more richer. Um, I'd be much better off on that basis, right? So there is something to those broad behavioural decisions that, at a case by case basis, probably aren't sustainable. But that, if that's the way you approach it, it stops you from making some of those other decisions as you refer to. We've got um before we wind it up. I'll come. Yeah. I'll come back to to brain chip. <laughs> We've got a member on Strawman. I'll oh, give good, him a thanks. shout out. Uh, Slymeat is his username, and right. he's he's done insanely well out of this business. Yeah. Um, and where I just I've got so much respect for his approach because he's been really really consistent in his thesis and in his mm. style. And he basically mm. invests like a venture capital. So he goes really early stage, really really high risk, but with really really high upside. And, right. he, and he just doesn't re, he doesn't he doesn't do a lot of these things. So when you look at a lot of the picks, I mean, a lot of them are not great, <laughs> but overall, he's just absolutely killing it. Yeah. And you would kind of think, wow, with this sort of gain that we have seen in the last yes. month or so, surely now is to take the time mm-hmm. off the table. So, no, nah, no, nah, I'm putting this in the bottom drawer for them at least the next five years. Now maybe he's right, mm-hmm. maybe he's wrong. I don't want to make I don't want to get get into that argument. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I hundred percent I respect yeah. that, you know, because yeah. it, he he is not the person that is just buying it because it's going up or because it's, mm. you know, it's, mm. it's sort of sexy and there's some buzzwords around. He really understands the industry. He's got a really deep insight into the potential for this technology. And you know what? Actually, it's not my it's not my cup of tea, but he, he could be right. He could absolutely, but despite this, this massive appreciation, if this actually gets mass adoption as the chip standard in AI and edge computing, um, mm. this, you know, NVIDIA, which is another chip company, is 350 mm. times larger than brain chip, you know. So, yeah. so if you want to go out twenty years, may, maybe that's the. It could it could hundred bag from here. Mm. And again, please yeah, please don't write letters. <laughs> we, <laughs> we've got to be really careful about talking about stocks like this. It is so divisive, and it does uh, it does so it does get a lot of uh, opinion out I'd, there. I'd rather talk about politics than brain chip. Can I put? Can, let, 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 me, let me put it that way. We'll, we'll do religion, sex, and politics. And if we have time left over, we'll do brain chip. Well, I just I, I, I will I will pile on and deride <laughs> and be very critical of a lot of shareholders in that company because I feel as though they're getting it into into it for the wrong reason. If yeah. this ends up going badly, and I don't mean because it's down 30% in another 12 yeah. months' time. I mean, you know, objectively badly. Five years later, yeah. we look back and it just it was yeah, just yeah, fizzed yeah. out altogether. I don't think I would ever be critical of, of Slimey because- because that was absolutely part of his his uh, philosophy and approach to investing, and as VCs know, you only have to get a couple right, and and you'll be doing very 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 well over time, and and particularly if if you continue to hold onto those those big mega trend mega trend winners. Anyway, let's finish there, mate. That's a great way to finish off our first new podcast. We've, of course, had episodes go live this year already, but this is the first time we've been together in 2022, mate. So thank you for the chat. Thank you for rejoining me in 2022 for another year of spectacularly great podcasts. Were you doing mailbag episode with me? Absolutely, mate. I've really missed it. It's, it's been fun. Good. Yeah, me too. And we will on Sunday share all of the social details so you can get in touch with us. You ask us your questions, leave us your comments. Uh, we've got a big year coming up. They're all big years. There'll be lots of things happen that we don't expect. Lots of things happen we do expect. And the things we expect won't happen either. That's investing. That's life. And we'll see you on Sunday. Full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.